0: Well, folks, we continue today in our study of the life of Gideon. I'm loving this whole Gideon stuff. The thing I think I love the most about Gideon is he is just as imperfect as you and I are. We are not perfect people. He was not the perfect hero. So the more we get to know about Gideon, the more I like myself. Because <laughs> he, he 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 went up and then he he went down. He he did great things and then he fell backwards. He was right there with God and then he stumbled two or three steps. Backwards. Gideon is you and Gideon is... Me. What can we learn from this guy? Well, again, just if you're if you're just now tuning in, let me catch you up quickly. We've been studying the life of Gideon for these past few weeks. Actually, the very first week, we didn't even talk about Gideon. We did the backstory as in the Hollywood, they would call it the prequel. Those first 10 verses in the story didn't even talk about Gideon. It had to set the stage and, and set us up for what exactly went on and how Gideon came to be Gideon, why it was so important that he stepped onto the world stage when he did. And so that's kind of what that first week was about. And then last week, we talked about the introduction. The introduction, of course, to the story. That was very much for us to understand who Gideon was, but we argued that it was just as important for Gideon. It was also an introduction for Gideon to understand his role in this story and also what it was like to relate personally to his God. You remember for 40 years there was little or no relationship between the people of Israel and God because why? God had taken care of everything. There were no more needs. There was peace in the land, the Bible said, for 40 years. And you know how it is with with us folks. We just forget where we've come from. We get lazy. We get lax. We, we relax our need for, for coming to church or being with other believers or opening up God's word, spending time in prayer and calling out to him. In times of trouble, we are right there morning, noon, and night because we are convinced that only God can help us. But when things are smooth, we kind of get in a groove thinking, well, God, <clears throat> I'm sure there's other folks with bigger problems. I've got this. I'll give you the week off, Lord. <laughs> and that's what happened for 40 years. And then Gideon begins to reintroduce himself to God. So this week, we're getting into it. We're getting into the story of Gideon. I think there's some great things we can learn. Because just we said, as great and as, as heroic and as powerful of a leader as Gideon was, he was still incredibly fearful, incredibly indecisive, and had a huge problem with not only self-doubt, but doubt in his ability to hear and follow the will of God. So he was a hero, but a hero just like you and like me. So let's pick it up. I I think this week, if we're going to look at any of the issues that Gideon had, and therefore you and I struggle with it as well, it would be his fear of failure. You ever thought about that, what that looks like in a person's life? Maybe you struggle with that as well. Maybe you don't even realize it, and you may struggle with it. That's kind of one of those things we don't like to talk about and say out loud, but nothing can paralyze us faster and more powerfully than fear. And the fear of failure is incredibly powerful in our lives. Maybe you don't even realize it. In fact, I brought a little test. I'm going to ask you a few questions just to see if maybe this is something you're struggling with and you don't even realize it. Let me ask you these questions, and you can fill in the blanks yourselves. You may have a fear of failure if, number one, you need the approval of others. You may have a fear of failure if you won't chase a dream because you may fail. Number three, you may have a fear of failure if you're afraid of being left alone. Or abandon. You may have a feel of failure if you believe others don't think you are good enough or smart enough. You may have a feel of failure if you worry about disappointing others. Or number six, you downplay yourself just to lower the expectations of what others have for you. And then number seven, you may have a feel of failure if procrastination and distraction keep you from good preparation. Fear and fear, fear of failure specifically can paralyze us. I know what we're going to find out today, what it did in the life of Gideon, but it can do the same in our lives as well. So as we unpack this story and dig in a little bit more as to all the great things that God did through Gideon, let's understand also that he was a normal guy with faults For instance, fear of failure and what we can learn from his life and his lessons. Let's dig right into uh, chapter 6. We're still in chapter 6. We're going to pick up with verse 25. If you have your Bible app, you can simply open up your Bible app, hit the button that says events, and the sermon notes with all the text will pop up. Otherwise, it'll be up here on the stage. Number one, Judges chapter 6, verse 25. Let's read through 27. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering, verse 27. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Alright, that's the little piece we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about four keys to destroying our fear of failure. Just like Gideon had, you may be struggling with this yourself. So number one is, number one, we need to begin at home. Just like Gideon did, you need to start with where you live before you can go out and do mighty things and great battle for the Lord against the enemy outside of your home. You need to start with the enemy inside of your home. So what's, what's going on in this story I thought Gideon and therefore his father were part of the people of God, the children of God, the Israelites. They had but one God and his name was Jehovah Yahweh. Why in the world would the father name, what was the father's name again? Joash, right? Not many parents are using the name Joash these days. It's kind of fallen out of popularity. You call him Joe, call him Ash, but No one's going with Joash, and I think probably because of this story right here. Joash, he has a a Baal sanctuary in his house, or at least on his property somewhere. How in the world did this happen? I thought he was a follower of Jehovah. I thought he was a follower of God. How did we fall this far in 40 years? I've seen it happen. I mean, I, I, I guess it happens because you hear about it every once in a while. Someone that uh, the first time you see them, they're, they're all in. They're, they're going to church, and it's a Christian church. It's a fine church, and they got a Bible at home. They even publicly call themselves a Christian. And then a few ti- days later, you see them. A few months later, you see them, and they're totally out. Now they're now they're identifying themselves as an atheist or or they're they're a total strong Christian, and the next time you see them they're an agnostic, or they're they're a, 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 an active in a in a church, and next time you see them they're 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 following some kind of crazy cult with ties and badges and knocking on doors. I, I've seen that happen. I know that's a thing, but that is by far the exception. I think far too often, maybe even here among us this morning, we're doing the same thing as Joash. Joash was covering his basis. He didn't leave God. He didn't forget God. He didn't throw God out and latch on to some new God. He had God in his heart, and yet at the same time, he wanted to make sure just in case, he better have a little side God on the side just in case God didn't come through. That's the problem with us. We don't leave our religion and run to other gods or leave our religion and say we don't believe in any God. We hold on to Jesus, and at the same time, we're having plan B or plan C just in case God doesn't come through or... God doesn't come through like we want. That was Joash's problem. He had that second bull. Remember how, many, how old that second bull was? It was seven years old. Can anyone remember how long they had been under the oppression of the Midianites? Seven years I believe Joash was holding on to that bill. Normally, they would sacrifice a bull after one, two, three years tops. He held on to this bull for seven years. I believe he was holding on to that bull for seven years, hoping against hope that God would come through and he could sacrifice that bull as a thanks offering to God. See, I knew he would come through, but just in case he doesn't, let me build this Baal sanctuary. And he and his children and his community and his neighborhood, they came and they were led astray because of his Poor choices. Folks, mommies and daddies, you have an, grandmas and grandpas, you have an incredible responsibility with the influence you have on your kids. I'll give you an example. This week, a fella named Chance the Rapper, now I know you're saying, who is Chance the Rapper? Don't worry, the guy next to you is saying, what is rap music? That's okay. A chance the a Rapper is an incredibly talented young man, and he is a rap music star, and he was doing a public service announcement about how important it is for young people to get out there and vote, and, and not only how to vo- uh, that they should vote, but even how to vote, how to know uh, for whom he sh- they should vote. This is his quote. I want to make sure I get it right. He said this week... <clears throat> And answering the question, who should I vote for? He says, ask your mom who to vote for. Vote for who she say. The exact wording is, ya yeah, mama been through a lot. Ask them and trust them. Now as a proud daddy, I kind of liked his answer. It made me feel good that the young generation is... Looking up to the kind of influence and the wisdom that we as parents and grandparents might have over our children. But this was a problem. Young people all across America began. Tweeting back, you know, how dare you, or who do you think you are, or what's the matter with you? Why don't you have your own brain and your own opinion and your own decisions? Don't keep going back to your parents. You're a grown man, which he is with kids and a wife and a big house and all kinds of money. But the point is, we need to grow up and make our own decisions. That's exactly what happened to the people of Israel over and over and over and over and over and over again. They continually were misled because of the laxness, the laxadasiness the of their their parents, and their grandparents, and here we find themselves again. Now, we don't have any proof that that's exactly what happened to Gideon, or that Gideon was following his father's influence, but that's exactly what we see over and over and over again in the people of Israel. We must use that influence, parents. We must use that influence, grandparents, that we have over our children while we have them speaking words of truth speaking true words of God's truth into them. Don't be like this, Father. Don't be a Joash. If you're within the voice, the the hearing of my voice, whether here in the room or on Facebook Live, if you're hearing my voice, mommies and daddies, grandmas and grandpas, if your kids are still under your influence in some way, I want to make sure you get them either in church, in in Sunday school, in, in Awana's, In youth group, if that's not possible, you don't feel comfortable with that, then then you sit them down at the table and you pray with them. You sit them down at the table, you read God's word with them. You sit down at the table and you talk with them about spiritual things while you have that influence. It is on you. Mommies and daddies, don't be a Joad. Before he could do battle outside of his home, he had to clean up some things inside of his home. There were, there were all kinds of idols. Now, for, for him, it was very vividly demonstrated with this sanctuary to Baal. Your idols might not be so obvious, but here's the deal. Here's the test to know if you're harboring some of these same idols at home. Not, not that you've given up on God, and now you've gone some crazy cult way. I don't mean it that way. I mean, you're holding on to God, but you've got your plan B. Here's how you can know. Number one, there's no peace in your heart. Now, why do I say that? Because the only reason why Joash and, and the people of Israel would have been looking for other gods, looking for other idols, holding on to the plan B or the plan B, just in case is because they had decided in their heart, God is not enough. He had no peace. You remember that word for peace in the Old Testament? We've talked about it many times. It's the word shalom. Shalom means all of the pieces have been moved together. Puzzle pieces. The stars have aligned. God has put everything into place so that you come to a place in your relationship with him and with your own self that you say, I have enough. I am at this moment enough. Joash and the other Israelites, they couldn't get there. And so they said, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. I better have this side, God, and this side, idol. And, and for you and for me, that same danger is there. We begin reaching out to others. And secondly, another uh, sign that you would have idols in your home is there is disobedience. Disobedience means that we begin compromising in our relationships, we begin compromising in how we do business. We begin compromising in the way we interact with our family. member. we say, God, the, the, the wife or the, the husband you gave me, they were good enough for those first 20 years, but they're no longer enough. Now I need this or that, or, or, or the, the, the kids you gave me, they're, they're fine, but they're not enough. I need a, a hobby, or I need this or that, or, or, or the money that you're providing for me each month through my job, it's not enough. I need this or that, or, or the, 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 the money I have in my bank account, it's not enough. I need to go out and stop doing things like tithing. In fact, I'm, I'm just going to step on a few toes here. I realize we're on camera and everything, but I would challenge you that if you are not regularly tithing now, don't get caught up in the word tithe, whether it's 10%, 10% or not. We've talked about this many times. Whatever number that you have prayed about and God has told you and your family, that is your number, that percentage or that amount, whatever it is, if you're not giving that here or wherever you're giving, then you have a problem with that. That is disobedience. You're saying, God, I don't trust you to take me to the end of the month. I better hold some of that back. Just in case, we're taking control. We cannot trust God and at the same time trust in our plan B. There is disobedience. Before we can attack and do battle with the enemies and the idols outside of our home, we must attack them inside of our home. Number two, we we need to stand up to our bullies. Look at verses 27 through 32. Stand up to our bullies. So Gideon, again, took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. And the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told... Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Verse 30, the people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him for whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. So number two, if we're going to defeat or, or destroy this Fear of failure in our lives. Number two, we need to stand up to our bullies. Did you read that part about fear? He was afraid. He was afraid of his family. He was afraid of the townspeople. Everywhere he looked, he was afraid of people in his close proximity, even further away, people who he does not yet have influence over or who maybe not yet influencing him, but one day may. So everywhere he looked, there was fear. In fact, it even talked about the whole idea of the this these townspeople carefully investigating. How in the world did they carefully investigate and come up with the name Gideon? He was afraid of his family, so he hadn't told anyone in his family. He was afraid of the townspeople, so he didn't tell any of the townspeople he was going to do this. The only ones that knew them were, knew about this plan was him and God and, oh yeah, those 10 close, trusted servants. Ugh. Those closest to us, they'll get us every time, won't they? You ever been hurt by someone close to you? Maybe it is family. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it was your own kids or your own parents. Maybe it was a a brother or a sister in church. Maybe it was someone that close. It hurts. If, if If you're going through that right now, here's the deal. You are Gideon. Gideon, he understood what you're going through. He was afraid He's afraid of those closest and afraid of those furthest. Scientists tell us that when we're dealing with our fears, the best way to not be fearful is to distract yourself. So scientists and psychologists and researchers tell us that you need a strategy or or certain tools to distract your mind. Don't focus on your fears. Focus on something else. I'll I'll give you an example, one that I've used a number of times. Sometimes I get a little nervous on an airplane if it starts bouncing too much, and so I read about a a tool to use. You you start at the number 100, and you start counting backwards. You know, when that usually works, it kind of distracts your mind a little bit. If it bounces a little bit more, you switch over to counting by twos or, or by threes. If it bounces, is a lot, you got to switch to backing down by numbers of seven. Sometimes when it's bouncing a lot, I got to count by by the number 15.75 just just to really get my mind going there. Because if my mind is distracted, the scientists say, I won't be fearful. Well, here's the deal about God. Similarly, God says, yeah, in, in some sense, that's true. I don't want you to focus on your fears. That is not helpful but rather than just distract you with simple numbers and, and blank distractions, saying, focus on me instead. Turn your focus from your fears, from the family, from the townspeople, from those 10 servants, from the people who are speaking badly about you. Turn your focus on me. When you see my face, when you see my power, when you see my love, all fear will be cast out. And that's exactly what Uh, Gideon did he was able to turn his focus on God don't look away and distract yourself but look at me God says and if we are focused on him and his power we will uh, be fear-free and have courage courage is not the absence of fear said Mark Twain but rather the control of that fear because Gideon was able to control his fear by focusing on God he was able to stand up to his bully and did you hear what happened when he did that God changed his name before this whole story happened, what was his name? His name was Scaredy Cat Hole Dweller. You remember that? Scaredy Cat Hole Dweller. That's, no, they didn't say it to his face because he was kind of a big, stout guy, but they said it behind his back all the time. And there goes old Scaredy Cat Hole Dweller. But not anymore. Do you hear what God changed his name to? Jerubal. He who stood up to Baal, he who stood up to his bully. When God changes your name, what's he going to change it to? Jerub cancer. Jerub inadequacy. Jerub new job, Jerub, new ministry, Jerub, new life change, Jerub, change. What is God going to tell you? Look at my face. Stop looking at the fear. Look at my face and, and, and see my love and my power coursing through your veins, and you will look in your bully's eyes, and you will have no fear, and you will own that bully. God gave Gideon the confidence to make that choice. Not only did it endear him to God and grow him closer to his heavenly father, but at the same time it gave him the street cred, <laughs> as teenagers would say, among the people because they began to follow him. Number three, this is so important, what happens next? As we continue to destroy that fear of failure, number three, we must begin to pray specifically. Pray specifically. Let's, let's jump to the end of the story quickly, to the verse of 36. This is a famous story that I know, if there's any story in the whole story of Gideon, you know this one. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then, then I will know that you saved Israel by my hand, as you said. And what, that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung it out, wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Verse 39 Then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. I know you know this story. I know you've heard this story. I know you've lived this. How many of you have ever tried the fleece deal? Maybe not with an actual wool fleece, or maybe, maybe you did, but have you ever tried one of these? I mean, this is exactly what we do. What is the point of this story here? In this story, God put it in his word for a reason. Is that reason so that you and I have a model for how to interpret God's will for our lives? I, I'm actually surprised our Christian bookstore over in Fort Myers, they don't, they don't sell these wool fleeces because clearly that's what God is teaching us here. Every time there's a question, we don't cast lots. We don't really spend much time in prayer. Don't really run to the Bible. Don't run to, pray, to the pastor. Simply get your fleece laid out in the morning. Fortunately, here in Southwest Florida, we got plenty of dew. No shortage of dew. This should be an easy answer, God. I, I know you got me covered. We lay it out and we know exactly what we're supposed to do. Have you ever tried that? Maybe you tried it a different way. The, the young guy says, I, I really want to ask that girl out, but I don't want to do it unless I'm sure it's really God's will. If she walks over to me and she winks at me with her left eye and she sits down on my right side, I'm going to know it's God's will that I'm supposed to ask her out. You ever tried that one? God, I'm, I'm, I think I'm supposed to move. I, I feel I'm supposed to move. Uh, the, Naples is calling uh, it, I'm just going to throw my house Out on the market And if it sells It's your will I'm supposed to move to Naples Or maybe you've said God I, I feel like you're calling me to missions I, I can't imagine why You've probably got plenty of missionaries out there But God if, if the pastor today Talks about the Fiji Islands I'll know that's a sign from you I'm supposed to go be a missionary <clears throat> Fiji Island, Fiji Island, Fiji Island J- Just in case Yes, you're supposed to go on mission. Is that how it works? Is that why the story's in the Bible? So we have a model of how to hear and interpret God's will? Is that what this is all about? I would argue no. I think it's an awesome story. I believe it truly happened exactly like we're reading it. But, but my point is, I don't think it is to be used as a model for how. Rather, it is to use, be used for two reasons. Number one it is to demonstrate very clear picture of our, our desperate seeking of confirmation of God's will for our life, and number two, God's infinite grace and patience with us as we do that. Again, number one, I think this is a very clear picture of two things. Number one, that, that we should desperately seek confirmation from God on His will for our life, and number two, is a picture of God's infinite grace, mercy, and patience with us as we seek His will. We need to pray very specific prayers. Now, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to take part in it, but recently we've begun a number of prayer groups. Now I know we've we've been praying for for well since this church began, even before this church began, folks were praying in for and because of this church. But recently we've started prayer groups. They've met on Friday night. Now they meet on Saturday night for the needs of the church and the community and the world, specifically for moms and students teachers and 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 uh the education program Uh, all these things are encompassed in those prayer groups prayer is important but i'm challenging you to pray specifically why don't why don't we pray specifically it's dangerous what if god doesn't answer our specific prayer or what if god doesn't answer our specific prayer the way we prayed it what does that mean Did we do something wrong? Did God do something wrong? It's dangerous. It would be so much safer to pray simply, Oh God, bless all the missionaries. Amen. I believe God's calling you to pray specifically, especially, especially with your children and your grandchildren. I know how scary that is. Because their tender little hearts, all they know is that mommy or grandma or grandpa prayed very specifically for this. What if it doesn't happen? What are we going to do to their little psyches, to their little hearts of faith? Is it going to destroy that little bit of faith that's growing in their hearts? Just the opposite. When they see grandma and grandpa, mommy or daddy praying specifically, trusting God specifically, their faith is going to grow A real quick story that happened in our kids' life when they were still little biddies like that. Sean and Shelly were missionaries with us in Spain. For a time, they had come back to the States for stateside assignment. In their absence, as a little memento of them, they left us with their little dog, Sushi was her name. Sushi lived with us for a number of months, and we took Sushi everywhere, including to the beach. After a wonderful day at the beach, we all packed up our stuff, grabbed Sushi's lease, and headed back to the car, only to find out that Sushi wasn't at the other end of the leash. She was gone. And we searched, and we searched, and we searched, and we searched, and the sun went down. And much, with much tears and sadness, we drove away from the beach an hour and a half back to our city, We went back the next day, we hung up posters, we offered rewards, and we prayed. Oh, how we prayed that God would bring back little sushi. Yes, the children loved the dog. Yes, I had fond feelings for the dog. But mostly, we loved our friends, Sean and Shelly. And we couldn't think of 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 what it would be like to tell them or even their children that we lost little sushi. For five days, we prayed and we searched until finally a little uh, Spanish uh, restaurant owner called us and said, I think I have sushi. She's here at my restaurant. We drove an hour and a half back. Little sushi was a little worse for the wear, (laughs) but she was alive. And we took her back. I gave him his reward. I could have kissed him on the mouth because my children saw God answer a very specific prayer. That was just a dog. But it was a specific prayer for my kids. And to this day, when we talk about specific prayers being answered, that is a story that pops in our our family's mind. What is God calling you to pray for? I would challenge you to pray specifically for that. And then number four. Then number four, the whole missing piece to this whole story. How did this change, this transformation happen from, from a guy who was hiding in a hole... And even though he made a great start with God, he was very unsure of himself, very unsure of his ability to hear God, very unsure of himself to go out and uh, attempt great things for God. How did all of that change? Go back to verse 33. One more time. Verse 33 says it this way. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of God came on Gideon. And number one, he blew a trumpet. Number two, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. Number two, he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali so that they too went up to meet them. And then number three in verse 36, and Gideon said to God, chaos ensued. Finally, Finally, this whole this dweller gets a new name. He stands up to his bully. He's walking with God. He's hearing from God. He's speaking to God. God had made this incredible change. He was doing, he, he was doing everything right. He was obedient. I mean, at this point, Gideon is feeling pretty good about himself and, and where he is in his relationship to God. And then, and then, and then right then, at that moment, all... <clears throat> Heck, breaks loose. Every enemy that they could have listed off comes marching in, attacking him at that moment. Not just family, not just a couple townspeople, not just some ball worshippers, but every single enemy they could have listed out at the moment comes right then at that moment. All chaos breaks loose. You ever been there? You think you finally... You're finally doing everything right. I mean, you've made it to church four Sundays in a row. <laughs> you're having your quiet time almost every single morning. You're, you know, you're volunteering at church. You helped out the pastor. You're even starting to tithe. I mean, you got everything down. You're feeling pretty good about this whole God religion thing. And then all heck breaks loose. The call from the doctor, the The broken relationship, your kids go crazy, the neighbor starts parking his truck on your lawn. I mean, everything goes sour. And you say, God, why now? I believe God allows these things because he wants to test our commitment, test our obedience, test our mettle. And I believe that's exactly what he's doing here for Gideon, he wanted to see if he is faithful in these things. Will he be faithful in the bigger things? God knew already, we know also, because we read this story, what is coming. And in order for him to be ready for what is coming, because it is huge, God needed to walk him through some baby steps on the way to make sure his commitment was strong, and he was up for it. He blew the trumpet. He sent out messengers. He spoke to God. Do you even understand how important that is? He took the initiative to speak to God. When chaos ensued, he knew what to do. He stood up. He got out of his hole. He stepped onto the public stage, and he took charge. We have a number of police officers in our church. One of them is named... uh, Dave Gleason, I asked him this week, what would that look like? I said, you guys, you guys step into chaos every day. I mean, you, you know kind of what might happen, but you don't know really what's going to happen. And when you guys step in, within a matter of moments, you guys are, are normally able to gain control and turn chaos into control. How do you guys do it? What's, what's kind of your plan you walk through? And, and this is what he wrote. Let me, let me just read it to you, okay? He said, when faced with a chaotic situation, we try first to de-escalate with police presence and authority, including commands, once we're on the scene. We may move to physical control of their bodies with arm locks or pepper spray, and we may even use things like batons or tasers to overcome aggression if lesser methods fail. We're trained to always be on guard. I've heard it described, he says, as level orange. Green is when you're home watching TV with your family. Yellow is guarded, like when you're crossing a busy street. Orange is being ready for an attack. And red is in the midst of a fight for your life. There's a heavy burden in making these life-altering decisions in the flash of an eye. Gaining control of a chaotic situation and maintaining that control, especially looking professional while being filmed by someone's cell phone camera, is something of an art, he says. Those are our heroes, men and women on the front lines right now, right here today in Cape Coral in southwest Florida. Gideon was in the same boat and he was up to the task. He stood up and he blew the trumpet. He called out the messengers and he began speaking to God because he knew God and God alone could change his situation. But where did this come from? Look back at verse 34 as we close. Verse 34 says it this way. How did this happen? Verse 34, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. That is a missing piece. That's what changed everything. And this word come upon in the the Hebrew text, it means to clothe, all right? I get that. The spirit of God, he clothed himself in the spirit of God, and that is what protected him and empowered him to go out, right? Interesting. Interesting. I was studying this this week. It means actually just the opposite. Not that Gideon clothed himself in the spirit of God and that was like his magic cape to go out and do heroic things. It's just the opposite. The biblical intonation here is that God and God's spirit clothed himself in Gideon. Why would God do that? That that sounds counterintuitive. We, We clothe ourselves with God. We need his protection. We need his power. Why would God do that? Why would he lessen himself, confine himself, put himself in us? He wants us to understand that he so indwells us that we are like an extension of God's hand, an extension of God's mouth, an extension of God's ears, an extension of God's loving arms when we go either in aerobics or in loving and sharing the gospel wherever we go. This is exactly what he wants us to understand. This was the missing piece, this indwelling of God's spirit. Folks, the message here in this, in this story today and all through these weeks is not, okay, now go out there and be a Gideon. <laughs> You've heard the story just like Gideon did it. Now you do it too. Go out and be a hero. That's not the story. You know why? You already are a Gideon. We live this side of the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus. We already have this indwelling of the Spirit in us as brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ. We are now those heroes God is already calling out. The question is, when we get out of your hole and begin living like a Gideon, living like a hero, you don't need to be pronounced a hero. You already are through the power of Jesus Christ and his Spirit in you. God is calling you to be that hero. Right now, we need heroes. Will you be a Gideon? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for guys like Gideon. Girls that are just like Gideon. That we use as examples to remind us of how you work. Not only around us and on us, but God quite literally in and through us. Father God, as we attempt to wrap our minds and our hearts around this idea that we are already the Gideons that you've called to build your kingdom here in Cape Coral, I pray God that you would embolden us, point out in your scripture all the truths that point us to this one truth, that because you, Father God, you, Lord Jesus, you, Holy Spirit, indwell us, we are the heroes that you've called to build your kingdom here. Father, as we continue to destroy those fears, specifically the fear of failure, God, we are trusting you as we turn our attention from those fears and focus solely on your face. God cast out all of our fears through your perfect love. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.